Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by two guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. I'm your other host, Ben Harrison. Ben, we are back where we belong, far, far away from each other, with an entire country in between. Yeah, our shame has a a good buffer zone and a little bit of Skype lag. We got some interesting feedback about those episodes. Uh, The feedback's been positive, but... People definitely can notice the difference when we're together. Yeah, it it sounded real different to me. I don't know why. Uh, I think that maybe we were like trying to keep our voices down so our dorkery didn't, uh, you know, transmit into other parts of the house so much. Yeah, you don't want to wake up your (laughs) parents-in-law with Star Trek convo, that's for sure. No. Well, I have a bit of business I wanted to discuss with you. Oh, really? Uh, this is this is not something you want to take offline. No. I uh, okay. I think that this is uh, something our listeners will want to hear. We have heard tell that if our iTunes review mark gets up over the 500 mark, we can start using the maximumfun.org Topatico store t-shirt printing service, which would enable us to create the first ever greatest generation t-shirt. You're going to put that thing on and parade around like one of them? Oh, man. I'm really excited about that. And, I mean, last time I looked, we were uh, well past 350 reviews. As of recording, we have 370. So we need only 130 more reviews to reach the threshold of of T-shirts. So here's what I'm going to propose, and you tell me if you like this idea. Okay. Can I tell you if I don't like this idea? Yeah. Okay. My idea is this. When we cross the 500 iTunes review line, we are going to go look into our Gmail. And people who have sent emails to drunkshimodaplusscontest at gmail.com with a screenshot of the review that they left. And if you've already left a review, you can go back and screenshot your review. Uh, just, Just show us the review you left. Uh, We're going to put all those five-star reviews in some kind of randomizer and uh, pick, I think, maybe we'll do this. We'll do do one random selection and one that we think is the funniest. Okay. And we'll give out two free t-shirts. So if you want to get a free Greatest Gen West Hot American Summer t-shirt, you can either get it by just writing a review and b- being selected lottery style at random or through the meritocracy writing the funniest review. And there's al- already some, some pretty fucking hilarious reviews on there. So you're going to have to come with your A game if you want that meritocracy t-shirt. Well, it sounds like, uh, from what I'm hearing, it's a couple of things. A, we've decided on a t-shirt idea, first of all. <laughs> and that first t-shirt is West Hot American Summer. Yeah. And B, this is another opportunity for us to prove that we can be trusted by our listenership. Oh, you mean after the the big veto poll debacle? Right. So I'm asking you, Ben, is this actually going to happen? I guarantee this is going to happen. Well, this sounds great. I'm really excited to have a t-shirt out in the world. Everyone, please review up the pod, get us over 500, 
and then we'll leave you alone about it. Yeah, take a screenshot that says uh, that shows your review like physically on iTunes. It has to like you know resolve on the page. Take a screenshot of that. Send it to drunkshimoda plus contest at gmail dot com. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. Hmm. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. All right. Well, with that bit of business attended to. Let's turn our attention towards this atrocity of an episode. <laughs> what we have is season two, episode 19, Manhunt, or as I'm calling it, Betazoids in Heat. <laughs> ben, this starts a run of episodes, I think, that we can describe as the We Shouldn't Even Be Here episodes. You know that scene in an action movie where, where like, the, the hero has the realization that, like... We shouldn't even be up here! Yeah. This is that moment for me in, in season two. Really? Because I feel like that was, like, two or th- three episodes ago. Well, yeah, I mean, th- th- I'm sort of uh, late to the party when it comes to that realization, but it's, Yeah, a little slow on the uptake, Adam. It's in full got, bloom right now. Got a bit of a pack-led level sense of what's going on around you? <laughs> These episodes make me sad. (laughs) These episodes don't make me go. We look for episodes toward the middle and end of season three. Episodes to make us happy. (laughs) So so this episode starts with them beaming over some, some, uh, some delegates. Once again, the Enterprise is Ubering delegates. Uh, to a fucking conference in Pacifica. I feel like Pacifica is like the theater district of the Federation. Like every fucking taxi ride they they pick up is heading there. Yeah, this isn't the first reference to Pacifica. I think it's definitely like cemented its reputation as the Boca Raton Howard Johnson's <laughs> conference room of planets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, they talk about the Pacifica Conference as though it's like a persistent thing, the way like yeah. Congress is is referred to. In a... Have we ever seen it, though? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. The Boy, that reveal is going to be fantastic, right? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, so these are... Uh, these are aliens that I find very memorable, mainly for how shitty they are. The idea is that they're like in suspension, but the design of the of the aliens... Is really bad, and it's it's hard to tell what they're supposed to be. Like I, I think that when their eyes are fully open, it's a little more clear because because you can kind of see that they're eyes. But when their eyes are droopy because they're in suspension, it's like is that a gill or is that like a is that a, just a different orifice? And and then like where right. the human actors inside of them would have eyes is like uh, the back of a Camaro, but it like was in a a fender bender and the guy tried to fix it with duct tape <laughs> like it's just uh just just a real hot mess and i feel uh, like we could riff on how they look for a while to me <laughs> they look like um i was recently in a fish market in tangier i know that makes me sound worldly and interesting but uh i'm neither of those things <laughs> And this fish market had, like, the biggest, strangest-looking fish I've ever seen. Really? Like, with the, with the giant eyes. Yeah. And these aliens look like those fish if they could stand up. Yeah, and but- they got, like, noodly appendages coming off of their <laughs> mouths. And they've got, um, you know, they've got resting duck face to make the packlids envious. Their costume looks like it was inspired by uh, Daniel's 
Halloween costume and the Karate Kid when he dresses <laughs> in the shower. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. Yeah, uh, they get a lot of of jokes in this episode out of a a now running gag in the series of. Worf's opinion is the opposite of everyone's. <laughs> <laughs> Contrarian Worf. Yeah, like, like uh, in in much the same comedic tone as Worf scarfing down the uh, the scrambled eggs that Riker made him. Right. Uh, Worf is standing there, just breathtaking at at how beautiful these aliens are. What a handsome race! And they've been beamed up with a bucket full of chum, which is. Uh, gonna pay off with a big comedic moment later on in the episode so the enterprise uh pulls the chocks out of its wheels and uh fires up the engine and starts to pull out when they get a urgent message that uh another emissary is coming aboard and uh it's a it's like a shuttlecraft that's coming in and they get this this shuttle pilot on screen and he's got like about a half of a line before Loxana Troy kind of piles into frame uh and uh, you know almost knowing how unwelcome she is on my television screen please don't do this to me she starts the lap sitting right away yeah and so they she's been like given Federation clearance as she's like the ambassador of Beta Z, right? Yeah, she was recently given a field promotion to full ambassador. Yeah, good for her. And so, like, she beams aboard, and this is like, like maybe the most frustrating thing about this episode to me. Like, I guess it's frustrating that they bring this character back who is explicitly just egregiously irritating. <laughs> But what's so much more frustrating is that every single joke that they try and do with this character is a fucking warmed over version of a joke in the last episode that she was in. It's like, oh, she has a huge, tall manservant. Oh, her suitcase is super heavy and she's going to try and get Picard to carry it. Yeah, it's kind of a retread. Yeah, she's saying that Picard is thinking dirty things about her out loud. How embarrassing for Picard! (laughs) Do you think it's weird at all that, like, you know, Gene Roddenberry's still alive at this point. Yeah. And... This uh, is his wife. And Majel Barrett, yeah, is his wife. And, like, sun's out, boob's out for Majel Barrett. Like, (laughs) Like, she is, she's put in some pretty revealing costuming. She's a uh, she's made to drape herself all over a couple of actors. Yeah, kind of, kind of fascinating choice here. Yeah, well, you know, not everybody practices their relationship the same way. And uh, oh yeah, I'm not judging. I, from what I understand, the uh, like Gene Roddenberry was a pretty forward-thinking dude. Some possibly had some pretty groovy uh, practices. W slash R slash T monogamy. <laughs> Oh boy, that's some theorizing that you wouldn't get on the official Star Trek podcast. <laughs> that's how Certainly. you can tell we're not in the pocket of Big Rod and Barry. Yeah, definitely out of the pocket of Big Rod. <laughs> you know, one we should also thank everybody that's been tweeting at Star Trek Room. That's uh, that's fucking awesome. Yeah, that has got to be as annoying as hell to them, really. Yeah. <laughs> like, good job, guys. I was looking at it all day today because like eight or ten people tweeted at them. 
Because you're and, looking for another job. Yeah, and uh, and uh, they have not replied to anybody as far as I can tell, but they, uh, and, and the most recent tweet was from like two weeks ago, and it's just a picture of some donuts. <laughs> so real, real party in the writer's room over there. <laughs> yeah. Hope you're having a great time, guys. I feel like I feel like whoever the showrunner is came in and was like, "All right, we're thinking the first episode is set back in time in 1930s San Francisco." If we were in that room, we'd just kick our feet up on the desk and we we're like, "What if an alien had a dick for a nose?" <laughs> <laughs> just we are we are like the embodiment of an HR violation over there. <laughs> How quickly could we get kicked off the lot? Man. <laughs> I feel like pretty quickly. It is a guiding principle of a dog beating face. Now you can't find it within yourself to stand up, tell the truth. You don't deserve to wear that uniform. This was the first episode where I noticed that uh the Betazoids wear very dark contacts, and if this seemed as cr- incredibly obvious to you, then I apologize. But it may just be that Major Barrett's contacts are much larger than uh, than uh, Marina Sirtis's. Yeah, I contacts think that it's because, also Marina Sirtis. Because Loxana has... Troy looks like she belongs in Event Horizon. This place is a tomb. Like her eyes are so black. Yeah, they're, they're kind of terrifying. Or, or uh, as like the the bassist in Limp Bizkit. <laughs> yeah, uh, West Borland. <laughs> oh think, God, how did I know that? Uh, I don't know. A guy that I developed immense respect for after he did an interview where he said he wouldn't listen to Limp Bizkit if he wasn't in the band. <laughs> yeah, that's some cred. So it becomes clear that the A storyline at this point is. Loxana is in a form of betazoid menopause that resembles like a cat in heat. She is down to find a partner and she's got her eyes set on Picard. Yeah, I mean, and that's like to the extent that you could say this episode has a storyline. Because <laughs> I feel Pretty like, generous, huh? I feel like it doesn't even really. If you took out all the retreads of the first Loxana Troy episode, you'd have very little left. Yeah, I mean, it'd be like if uh, if you took out all of the things in Home Alone 2 that were beat-for-beat beat copies of Home Alone 1, yeah. you'd just be like, there's not really a movie here. Like, uh, it's- Yeah, she she keeps doing that thing to Picard where she's like, Shut Luke, what naughty thoughts! Like, she does that five times in this episode. Right. And it's not even funny the first time. Here's the thing, though. Are we supposed to believe that that's the truth. I th- well, s- because if we proceed from that premise, then Picard is truly into her big time, like as a sex object. Right. But I think that it raises big questions either way, because she keeps saying that shit. And then she like tricks him into going to dinner with her. He passes a huge bottle of blue shit to Mr. Hom, who chugs it in one go. Uh, <laughs> and then And then Picard is like, desperate to get out of her sex gambit at dinner and pulls a classic like call me when i'm on this date with this guy uh you know like tinder date maneuver yeah he kind of cock blocks himself yeah he like calls data in commander if your duties permit why don't you join us 
for dessert. Picard just keeps throwing revs into the data boring story engine, uh, which is a uh, the only the only known perpetual motion machine in the in the universe. Yeah, and she gets super bored, and so if she's actually reading his thoughts, she would know that this is him trying to get out of hanging with her, right? Right. Right. And at this point, he thinks that she can read his thoughts. So I don't understand how he could come up with a plan like this and then act on it, knowing that she knew what motivated it. Right. And the answer that I came up with is that uh, her power is only set to detect horny. Like, (laughs) like it can't detect bullshit or any other thing on on the emotional spectrum. So they there's they sort of dance around this by saying that her she's she's hitting the uh she she's uh having having the change and uh in betazoid uh biology that means she wants that surfboard uh as bad as as uh, as she's ever wanted it before and like basically doesn't care who gives it to her as long as she gets it uh and that has impeded her ability to read minds dramatically but it's like it's unclear how dramatically because she's theoretically just got a window into anybody's mind that she wants, right? It would seem that way. But like when you have options as fertile as that for a character, it's really strange to me why there's so much plot retread to this episode. Right. Like, you could really take that anywhere and they just copy and paste from that first Luxana episode. Yeah, I mean, like, it, like you know what? It's called character development. Like, you you don't just repeat. You right. you you build off of that character. And when the last two episodes have been obviously season one scripts, yeah, like this one is obviously a season one script that was actually also in season one. <laughs> so Picard convenes a big meeting, and it's decided that the best way to deal with this Loxana wanting to fuck his brains out situation is go go hide <laughs> essentially and so for the rest of the episode he is doing Dixon Hill on the on the holodeck and the the bridge crew is like covering for him saying he's detained on urgent shifts business whenever Waxana asks, asks about him this was the moment that filled me with the most regret about <laughs> using the veto because I didn't know this was a combo episode of Dixon Hill and Waxana Troy. It was this moment really made me feel bad. Right. It's like it's like if <laughs> we weren't being egregious enough with the with the copy pasting. Holy mackerel. Yeah. Great. Dixon Hill. Woohoo. My love is a Picard's in the holodeck and he's trying to chill out. But all of the Dixon Hill stories involve Dixon Hill attempting to be murdered. Right. So there's a pretty funny scene where he's at his desk and he's like, all right, start the program. And a guy comes in and he's like, Dixon Hill, you fucking asshole. And he pulls out a pistol and and Picard jumps behind his desk and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, I'm in here for chill hangs. Why don't we switch to a different Dixon Hill storyline? And he does this like three times, and each time it's a guy basically brandishing a larger weapon to shoot at him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that uh, part was pretty funny to me. Yeah, I mean, 
there there was there was some writer asked to do a little bit of punch up on that beat who just is it's like a note inside of a a fortune cookie that says help i'm trapped in a fortune cookie factory right you know i feel like if if picard had let that go like the guy's weapons would have just turned into bazookas (laughs) and like jeep mounted howitzers and like nuclear submarines yeah like it was kind of getting out of hand so (laughs) yeah gene hackman shows up (laughs) eventually loxana tracks him down yeah and uh and busts into their program and uh this is the bar that dixon hill hangs at it's got all the mise-en-scene that you'd expect you got your glenn miller music you got yeah. your slowly spinning fans. You got your dusty room. Wait, does she say that she wants to be Riker's husband? She does. I guess we could go over that part. I guess so. So before Loxana tracks them down on the holodeck, she decides to marry Riker for some reason. Like, she just barges onto the bridge. Listen, Adam, we could talk about a lot of things that happen in this episode. I don't feel like the plot really, like, like no one element of this plot leads to another <laughs> So it's like, it's almost not worth mentioning. Like, I think the only People thing worth... People don't tune into our show for, for its plot recap accuracy? I think maybe they do, but like, this plot is unrecapable. It's so fucking insane. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think the only thing worth mentioning is that she de- announces that Riker is going to be her husband, and he gets a real shit-eating grin on his face. Like, he... <laughs> like, like the way Frakes plays this is it's pretty is, great. He really zigs when you expect him to zag, and uh, I think is it's it's one of the reasons that Riker is a great character. And by zig, you mean he takes out his dick. <laughs> so it all comes to a head in the holodeck where Waxana falls in love with the holographic bartender. This is the most remarkable man. I've never met anyone like him. Who she's quite taken with because she can't read his mind. Yeah, I feel like Luxana sees the sexual potential of the holodeck as much as Riker does. Mm-hmm. In a in a moment where I feel like it's game respect game for both Riker and Luxana, that moment. Yeah, and um and so they let her be distracted in there. They go uh, thaw out the Antedans who are really excited about eating their chum and. Pulaski like motions and the camera pulls back and Worf is standing there and like pushes it forward toward them. He flips it open, reaches both hands in <laughs> as though he's going to start feeding them out of his hands. It is so silly because they just come and like push him out of the way and start going it down on it. And it's like, why, why did he think that that was how it was going to go down? Like, have you ever met an ambassador that wanted to eat out of your hands? I love that scene so much. So it was ridiculous. like it was SeaWorld and Worf would, like wanted to feed the dolphins himself. It was I so feel, great. I feel like nobody at this point in the shoot was taking anything seriously. <laughs> and Michael Dorn was like, hey, guys, what? let me let me just try something in this take. I think it's going to be kind of funny. Quick note. How about we just do the last take with me uh, making a bowl out of my hands and maybe <laughs> feeding them like that? All right, Michael. I, I mean, I can't say we're going to use it, but go ahead. Go sick, Mike. God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, total martini shot there. Yeah. Damok Angelad Tanaga. One of the amazing things about making The Greatest Generation is getting to see all of the cool, creative stuff that the Friends of DeSoto make when we do a Code 47 episode. People send in handcrafted stuff all the time, and 
They send in their books. They send in paintings. They send in uh, crochet work. It's so cool. And uh, I want a few more of you to have websites to direct us to in those letters. I want you to put your beautiful work on display for the world so that when we get to look at it, we can tell people where to go to get a look at it themselves. And you don't have to know anything about building a website to build a website these days because you can use Squarespace. It'll look beautiful no matter what kind of device people are looking at it on. Hell, you can even sell stuff using a Squarespace website. Don't make your cool creative project captain's eyes only. Head to squarespace.com slash scarves for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm, uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So it ends in the transporter bay. The uh, Antedans are about to beam down and Loxana barges in. And she's like, oh, by the way, those guys are assassins and they're going to, to Pacifica to kill everybody, which is like an unmotivated, crazy caper that has nothing to do with the rest of the episode. She's like, yeah, no, check their check their robes. They're packed with explosives that are hard to detect. And Jada's like, yep, they sure are. And uh, 
Much like Daniel used his own shower costume uh, as a terror device <laughs> at that party, the Antedans were planning on using their costumes as well. Yeah. So she foils their plot and bids everybody adieu. She's, you know, learned her lesson or whatever. I don't know. She beams down and, like, mid-beam accuses Picard of having such naughty thoughts about her. And, uh, yeah, da 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 uh, wow. Well, we raced through that one, which is about as much as it deserved. I think, yeah. I mean, I just don't think that there's much to talk about here. It's like, like this one holds together less than the one that was written during the writer's strike by two of the producers getting yes, no answers from the writer on the phone, you know? Okay, there's something I want to run by you, and I think it might be a good idea to start something that I'm going to call uh, the Q versus Luxana Troy Power Rankings. <laughs> because I think we both have, I think we have some complicated feelings about these characters, and they both, they both had episodes of their own a couple of times now. Uh, do you rank one above the other in terms of general annoyance? Do you feel like Luxana is the female Q? See, here's the thing. Like, I I dislike them for very different reasons. I dislike Q episodes because Q is a day sex machina. Like, it's it's just it's. I I don't think it's good sci-fi to have something that is so powerful that it's in God mode. It it might as well be God. Yeah. And I don't think uh, I I think I don't like Loxana episodes because. They feel like they are there to kill time, and like this episode is literally about killing time. Like Picard <laughs> is Picard is killing time the entire time. Yeah, it's like yeah. what do what do we do on this long flight to this place while we're Ubering? Why so are that we, we don't... supposed to care if Picard doesn't care? Right. Yeah. Well put. So I I like the idea of having power rankings. I'm not quite sure what scale we can rank them on because they feel like apples and oranges to me. How about we call it power to destroy an episode? <laughs> well, I think Loxana's got got the lead at the moment because Yeah, I think so too. Because I think we can discount the pilot uh just because they obviously didn't even know what type of television show they were making at that point. <laughs> they had so many questions. And uh, the only other two Q episodes uh, that we have to to reference are are split decision. You know, one is one's a turkey and one is pretty great. All right, that makes sense to me. Hey Ben, what's that, Adam? As you were watching this terrible episode, did you <laughs> find a drunk Shimoda? Shimoda. I think that, like, obviously, Mr. Hum is is a drunk Shimoda. I think, obviously, Luwaxana is always tempting. But uh, Picard got it for me th- with this gambit of of radioing up data mid date. Um, I just, I just, I cannot believe that a man as as wise, as demonstrably wise as Picard, would think that that would work. And, like, he, he's very lucky that he got away with it, essentially. <laughs> like, if she is a diplomat of, of the highest rank, uh, he did something incredibly offensive to her. And, and did it under the impression that she was able to perfectly read his mind. Like, it's insane. I think if the only information we have is a season and 19 episodes into the second season, 
if if the only information we have is is what we know about Picard up to now, I don't think we can rule out that Picard wanted to fuck Loxana on the holodeck and he was just <laughs> hanging out there waiting to be discovered. <laughs> Maybe that was the plan all along. Maybe. I got a random question. If Mr. Hum rings the bell every time something is eaten, does he have to go into the bedroom too? <laughs> Hey, we don't know what, what Betazoid anatomy looks like. I'm going to cut that one out. <laughs> Why? So my Shimoda was, uh, I'm not sure if you knew this piece of trivia. Uh, one of the Antedans is played by Mick Fleetwood. Did you know that? <laughs> I did see that on the uh, on the bottom of the, the uh, Wikipedia page. <laughs> so let me tell you about Mick Fleetwood <laughs> as, as it pertains to this episode. Mick Fleetwood wanted to be in Star Trek. He wanted to be in Star Trek so bad that he was willing to be an Antietan. Willing to be recognized so much that he asked for a very special appearance by Mick Fleetwood credit. Yeah. And what they did is they basically covered him in a fish. Right. They didn't even make him a, a, a pain stick uh, Klingon. Yeah, they didn't even give him the test treatment. Crazy. I thought that was awesome. Like, <laughs> like I would like all of the vanity of the credit, but none of the vanity of actually having my face being seen. That That is a decision that seems so bizarre that it could only be a Shimoda decision. <laughs> Good call. I don't understand it. I am the cutest of all. There are four lights. Uh, what do we have coming up on the next episode? The next episode of the show is season two, episode 20, The Emissary. An official mission becomes a personal matter when Worf's former love is sent to the Enterprise to mediate a dispute between Klingons and the Federation. I don't even know why we're doing these pre-show previews anymore, because there's no vetoes in our pocket to use. We're just on an express train to Crapville. I would not have burned a veto even if I, even if I had one, because I remember liking this episode. Yeah, I mean, this is this is going to be a, a Worf-centric episode, which I think is the second time they've ever chosen to do that. Mm-hmm. Throw the keys to the episode to Worf. Put Worf in the driver's seat. God, anything is going to be better than, than Manhunt. <laughs> need a palate cleanser for this one, for sure. Uh, but uh, you know what? Even saying that, I'm not not sure it deserves to be on Mount Armas. It wasn't, it wasn't quite that bad, you know? <laughs> and I can't even articulate why. Like... Episodes like Code of Honor are, you just come off feeling insulted. Right. I wasn't insulted when I saw this. It just seemed lazy, and it made me sad. At one point, I was just scratching my head like, is there even a theme in this episode? Like, it's called yeah. Manhunt, but like, that's not the, that doesn't even feel like the main thing that's going on. It feels like time-wasting. Is there a moral or a message to this one? Probably have to go listen to Mission Log for that. Yeah. I wonder what they did with this. <laughs> Those poor guys had to record 90 minutes on this episode. Oof. That is I mean, rough. Say what you will about that show, but I mean, they've got some fortitude. Yeah. To uh to give this episode that kind of scrutiny. Yeah. That's one thing I think we can acknowledge we we respect them for. Well, if you ever want to talk to us, uh not about this episode, but about any other episode, of Next Generation. You can find us on Twitter using hashtag GreatestGen. Uh, I'm on there as 
at Cut for Time. Ben is there as at Benjamin R. A H R. You can find us on Reddit, on the Maximum Fun subreddit, and also the Greatest Gen subreddit. We're also on Facebook. There's a uh, Greatest Generation Facebook group, uh, which I believe you have to join, but uh, I don't think they're particularly picky. And all of that stuff is just super active, and we are uh, tickled pink at how much fun people are having uh, you know, listening to our show and then sharing other silly things uh, that people have done surrounding uh, the next generation. It's just, it's, it's a real blast. We've done, we've done absolutely nothing to market our show. Our listeners have done that for us. So, yeah. great job, guys. If you want to support the show, take it on over to maximumfun.org/donate. Yeah, and while you're there, I mean, there are a myriad of podcasts that I think you'll really enjoy. You've got your The Adventure Zone, Beef and Dairy Network, Baby Geniuses, Bunker Buddies, The Flophouse, Getting Curious, Judge John Hodgman. I mean, the list just never stops going on and on. That's not the name of one show either. Those are several shows. (laughs) Those are several shows, all of which I think our listeners would really enjoy. I know I do. So big thanks to Maximum Fun. Remember our contest that's Drink Shimoda plus contests at gmail.com. And we'll, we'll get that t-shirt made. And if you win, you get one for free. So, Yeah, if, you, if you've wanted cool. a t-shirt, if you've asked us for a t-shirt and you haven't reviewed us, it's your own fucking fault. <laughs> get to reviewing. Yeah, and if, if you've already reviewed, take a screenshot now and send it in. Like, there's no penalty for having been early to the party. Yeah, the only penalty is actually listening to our show. Sorry. With that, we will be back at you next time with another episode of Star Trek The Next Generation and also whatever this is. We got this one over with. (laughs) Just barely. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.